Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Friday, September 21st. I'm Sophie Casas. Today we're talking about how our very own motherboard investigation has led Facebook to review its policies on white nationalism. Motherboard is Vice's science and tech vertical, and recently they did a big investigation into Facebook's content moderation processes. Through this reporting, they found a particularly troubling policy set up to make a distinction between white supremacist, white nationalist, and white separatist content. But if you ask any historian, the distinction between these three terms that Facebook has chosen to make is both problematic and inaccurate. But now, at least in part because of Motherboard's reporting, Facebook has said that they're currently reviewing this policy. So we've got Vice's Ankita Rao talking with Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler on the story. Last time you were on the podcast, we talked about this huge story you had done uncovering Facebook's moderation policies. And today you're back with a pretty crazy update. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so all of this started when we got some leaked documents that showed that after the Charlottesville white supremacy rally last year, Facebook drastically changed its policies around hate speech. And as part of that, they clarified what is and isn't allowed on Facebook internally to their moderators. So Facebook decided that white supremacy and racism are banned from the platform, but white nationalism and white separatism are allowed. And You might be thinking, what is the difference between the three of those? Well, Facebook says that white nationalism and white separatism are, quote, inclusive movements in that they include white people, whereas white supremacy is the belief that white people are better than other races. In practice, when you talk to basically anyone who's studied history or the civil rights movement or slavery or the history of white supremacy slash subjugation of people of color and specifically African Americans in the United States, there is no difference between these three things. And in particular, white supremacists, including David Duke, who was Grand Wizard of the KKK, say that they are white nationalists or white separatists. And that's sort of the label that they've used to make their movement seem less terrible. So you and I both seem to accept that these are all the same thing. But it took a while for Facebook to think about it that way. What kind of conversations happened after your piece came out? Right. So while we were reporting, we talked to civil rights lawyers. Um, We talked to Lee Merritt, who is the lawyer who defended DeAndre Harris, who was a guy who was beaten at the uh, Charlottesville rally and then charged for assault. Um, DeAndre ended up Uh, not being imprisoned and his attackers were. 
Um, we talked to Ibram Kendi, who wrote a history of white supremacy in the United States that won a National Book Award a few years ago. And we talked to groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Anti-Defamation League, et cetera, et cetera. They said that fundamentally there's no difference between these three things. And several of those groups reached out to Facebook to say, hey, this policy is bad. Um, this policy doesn't make sense. This policy is taking white supremacists on their own terms and using their own vocabulary to allow them to continue to perpetuate the violence that they have always perpetuated. According to people that we've talked to, and we, you know, we don't really know the specifics here, but according to people we've talked to, Facebook was open to this argument in, you know, these conversations, but ultimately they have not officially changed any policies yet. One of these groups that talked to Facebook is called the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, which is a group of civil rights attorneys that was formed at the direction of John F. Kennedy uh, in 1963 at the height of the civil rights movement. So they talked to Facebook. Um, they said that they had, you know, good conversations, but Facebook ultimately decided not to change any policy. So they basically wrote a legal brief, more or less, a letter to Facebook with citations explaining why this policy is bad. Um, it cited our reporting, which was great. It also cited, you know, the fact that Brown versus the Board of Education determined that separate is inherently not equal. Um, you know, Facebook is not uh, the U.S. government, but it does take a legalistic approach to how it makes its rules. And so this this sort of doctrine doesn't really make any sense. They wrote a 10-page letter, sent it to Facebook earlier this month. Facebook apparently had not responded to it, so then they sent it to us. We published a letter in full this week, and we talked to Facebook, and Facebook told us that it is reconsidering its policy. So they haven't officially changed anything, but they're actually looking into changing it, uh, which would be great, according to everyone that we talked to. You know, the role of social media. We've seen that this can lead to, like, in real life violence. We've seen that it can lead to rallies like the Unite the Right rally. Um, and it's not really something that you want to see. Uh, Facebook has taken stances against like Alex Jones and people who spread hate, but they have allowed this loophole basically, and they should probably close it. I think it's getting more and more clear and quantified that what happens online directly impacts real life, as you've just mentioned. But I'm also curious as to whether there is other precedent for this kind of pressure changing things at Facebook? Have there been other instances where people have rallied around saying this should not be allowed or we won't stand for this and Facebook actually reacting and changing anything? Yeah, there's actually a lot of examples of this. Um, a really famous one is the, I believe it's called the terror of war image, which is another name for it is like the napalm girl, which is a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, photo. It was a Vietnamese girl who was naked, had her clothes burned off by napalm bombing during the Vietnam War. Um, this got posted on Facebook a few years ago um, in some context, and Facebook took it down and said that it violated its nudity policy because the girl is naked. Um, there was widespread backlash to this, and Facebook looked at its policies and said, this doesn't make any sense, like, this is very newsworthy, this is a notable photo, this is, uh, you know, political speech, it's a really important thing to allow, and so they decided to allow it and things like it. Another example is, for years, Facebook didn't allow breastfeeding photos or photos of mastectomies for women who had breast cancer, 
And similarly, there was widespread outrage from the people who had these things taken down, and Facebook has evolved its policies to be more nuanced. Um, so Facebook is constantly changing its policies. You know, one of the problems is that their policies are very rarely public. They're very rarely transparent about when they change uh, their policies. And so it's unclear why they change them sometimes or when they do. But those are two examples of of things that have happened when it was like very clearly a result of public backlash, um, you know, activist campaigns, reporters, you know, bringing attention to the story. And yeah, Facebook, I guess, deserves credit in those cases. Uh, I don't know that they deserve credit in this case of white supremacy, white nationalism, etc. yet, but hopefully sort of this pressure will cause them to have a more inclusive policy. I might be a little biased because you are my colleague, but I think it's really gratifying that a piece like the one that you and Joseph worked on for so many months has and could have tangible impact What do you think the role is of the media and journalists who both use Facebook as a platform and also cover Facebook and scrutinize what's happening with it in this conversation? Right. I mean, traditionally, journalists are very supposed to be very objective. And I think we try to we try to be objective in a lot of the things that we do. But, you know, the role of journalism historically is to be a watchdog or fourth estate or whatever you want to call it to basically correct injustices or to call out bad behavior or to shine light on you know malfeasance or bring up things that are interesting and worth highlighting so anytime that there's like a tangible real world effect from our reporting it's great uh, as i mean as long as that's a positive it's a positive thing and not a negative thing. People aren't getting like attacked because of our reporting or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's awesome to see something like this happen. You know, it's great to have a lot of people read your articles or talk to you about them, or it's great to talk about them on podcasts like this. But uh, it makes me feel much better when there's an actual tangible change. And hopefully we'll get that tangible change here. I think that this is a case where the right thing to do is pretty clear cut and this is not this is not something that we feel hesitant to take a stance on like there shouldn't be white nationalism and white separatism on facebook everyone who has studied this thinks that it shouldn't be there and so uh, we hope that they make a change to read the full article go to motherboard.vice.com that's it for now Thanks so much for listening, and make sure to tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.